Money Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, you know, we're we we've we've made it through another week, guys. And you know, another week that feels pretty much like the week before that and the week before that. <laughs> they're all just kind of running together. Well, yes and no, right? There were new comics to talk about this yeah. week that we'll talk about yeah. here shortly. That is crazy. That is crazy that actual new content came out this week. Well, new-ish. But they new to came us. out every, <laughs> they came yeah. out every day, you? though, so it continued my having no idea what day of the week it is. Fair. And right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, today, you know, is Sunday, and, you know, if, if you don't know what day of the week it is or what day of the year it is, it's Alien Day. April 26th oh, yeah. is uh, Alien Day. Yeah. Is this where Wayne tells us he's never seen Alien? <laughs> I've never seen Alien. <laughs> I was about to ask, why is it Alien Day? Because the ship name in the original Alien is LV426. And uh, so, because uh, of that, okay. Alien Day, April 26th, uh, you know, a bunch of places are doing, uh, like Nike's doing, I think it's Nike, it may be Reebok, is doing a special um, shoe release today that, like, they did boots based on the design in the movie. Um, the, the, and those sell out super fast. They're probably already sold yeah. out. Um, yeah, I mean, they're sold out like generally within an hour of, of releasing. Because yeah. they did that last year, didn't they? Or a year before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so yeah, I remember I've going, never... oh, those look really cool. Oh, they are gone. <laughs> Expensive, too. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen any of the Alien movies, but I have read Superman versus Aliens. Well, you get the impression. Multiple times. The yeah. And I <laughs> played Aliens uh, 3 on the game year years ago. Oh. Well, so that's that counts, right? It does. No, it counts for something. No, it does not. No. <laughs> uh, oh. But you know, I, I, I got to ask a question, Wayne. Oh, You're yeah. a nerd, like the rest of us on this call, and I note that uh, there are certain uh, nerd tentpole uh, franchises that you have just not experienced. Like we were having a, a an online discussion uh, a week or two ago, and Wayne shares that he's never seen a Bond film. Uh, this morning you share that you know you've never seen an alien film. Are these active choices where you're just like, eh, I'm never, I never ever want to be exposed to these things. What is that? What's going on there? I need to understand this. And if I need to cut you open and perform some sort of autopsy, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't watch many action like for the Bond ones. I don't watch many action films that don't involve superpowers. So it just never had appealed to me. And growing up, my family never watched any of the Bond movies. You know, my family didn't watch things like Aliens or any of those. And I lived out in the middle of nowhere. And we didn't have VCRs for years because my dad was afraid of technology and thought they would blow up the TV. So if it wasn't on regular TV, I didn't watch it. We didn't have cable because we couldn't get cable where we were. So uh, I actually... I think I was 17 working my first job. I bought a satellite dish and had it installed at the house as one of my first purchases. And that was where I first started to see some things. Cause remember I didn't see star Wars until I was like 18, 19. Wow. You know, so there was later in life that I got to some of that. So part of it was just, I missed those generations of movies and some of them I've gone back to, and some of them I haven't. So it's not an active choice. Well, I uh, 
I feel like I'm going to have to abduct you someday and, uh, you know, duct tape you down to a chair and, you know, put those clockwork orange eye opener things on you and make you watch certain programs. Well, I I will say I've I've only seen part of Predator. I've seen the last part of it when it was on local TV. Well, I feel like between the what four movies or five movies, whatever, in the Predator franchise and like the seven movies in the Alien franchise. There's only there's only two good Predator movies. There's only two good uh, Aliens. Exactly. Movies. So yeah. you just watch the first two of either, of both sets. Yeah. And you are set. You are good. Yeah, you are done. Yeah. There you is can, you can literally do... nothing redeemable about anything that happens after that part in either yeah. series. Yeah, an eight-hour eight commitment will will uh, you know take care of whatever you need to see in, uh, in either of those franchises. Well, but and, we need to spend a little bit more time with Bond. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah, and you'll be tempted because you'll be like, "God damn, Alien! That's a good movie. Aliens is great. I love Predator yeah. and Predator Two. Oh shit, well, they did a crossover movie. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't fall. <laughs> don't, don't fall. For but you know, and the and the great thing about Predator Two is that it's so different from Predator One, and that's the same thing with Aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both so different, but still in that same setting. Uh, you know, and and then they they don't they don't cash in on on any of that wonder in the following films. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I you know, Paul, I say we uh, we uh, you know load up the uh, white panel van and let's go get Wayne, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll start showing him some, some, some stories. <laughs> Wayne, just watch Goldeneye. I think that's a good entry, James no, Bond film. No, no, no. That is no. a good entry level no. James Bond movie. No, fuck you and your Goldeneye. <laughs> God. Golden Eye. You can't start. You cannot start your Bond experience with Pierce Brosnan. Yes, you can. Jesus with Christ. The only good Paul, Pierce who Brosnan the fuck movie. are you? <laughs> God. Well, you know, Wayne I'm said something. Rage quit this podcast, Paul. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, Wayne, you said something about I, you know, I only watch action movies when there are superpowers involved. Um, it doesn't have superpowers, but it might as well, based on how bad of a beating this guy gets in the movie. Uh, but this past Friday on Netflix, they released a movie called Extraction. And it has Chris Hemsworth in it. Um, and it's uh, it's directed by the guy who... It, it, it's a first-time director, but he also... But, you know, as far as, you know, making movies, but he's been the guy who's responsible for the action sequences in the Marvel movies that the Russo brothers have done. So all the great action from Winter Soldier, Civil War, the most recent Avengers films, this is the action choreographer or director for that. And now he's doing a full-length movie starring Chris Hemsworth. Um, and uh, I will say, it is it, it, it is very much like an 80s action film, but filmed modern style, in that there is literally zero story. Um Chris Hemsworth is hired to save a kid, well, to extract a kid from a from a you know a, a country, he's, you know, who kidnapped him. That's that is the only plot in the entire movie, <laughs> um, and it's like an hour and forty five minutes of straight action. And the you know if, if you're a fan of like I said the action sequences from from those movies, um, you know the Marvel movies, the action is just really spectacular. So I recommend watching it. You know it's a it's a mindless film. Um, you, you know, you're going to forget it as soon as it's over, uh, but it, it was it, it's enjoyable. So my well, only streaming this week has been uh, Young Justice. I'm finally on the new season because I rewatched season one and two before getting into the brand new season three. And I'm about half 
halfway through it. And I forgot how dark that show can get for a uh, a cartoon. It is definitely aimed at adults and older kids. I love that show so much, though. Paul, you recommended uh, Yellowstone to me, and uh, I, I picked up the first season. Yeah. And I just got to say, you know, a friend would have warned a friend. About the beginning? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, the very first scene in the very first episode uh, begins with, uh, you know, putting a, a horse out of his misery. Because uh, let me tell you how <laughs> uh, the wife and I sat down to watch the first episode and Suzanne was done. <laughs> now, I will say that is why, you know, I, I probably. So if you've only seen the first episode, let me warn you. The first half of that season is pretty brutal when it comes to animals. Yeah, it is. I am nine episodes in. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but it does calm not? down a few episodes yeah. in, right? Um, yeah, it does. It does. I, you know, but, but, you know, if you see a coyote walking along the side of the road, bad things are about to happen to that coyote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coyote, uh, the dog and the the uh, yeah. you know where they were making the meth, like uh-huh. yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty it, even Jen cuz Jen was like I like is it going to be like every episode? I'm like it yeah. seems like it. <laughs> Just well, like and- uh Jason what's the what's the the lead guy's name? The the one who Kevin married Costner? No, no, the um, Casey. Oh, Casey. I'm like, yeah. there. Yeah. Just as much as Casey's going to kill someone, and they're going to cover it up in every episode. There's going to be some type of animal cruelty in every episode too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds but, like you know, I'll I, be avoiding that. Well, but I will say it's not gratuitous. It's impactful. in that yeah. every time it happens, there's a reason for it in the story. Either it's pushing the narrative forward, uh, like when the grizzly bear is shot, or it is a metaphor, you know, they're like the, the horse uh, being shot in the first episode sets the tone for sort of the hard choices uh, that are going to occur in the show. You know, I mean, there, I, I said, I really struggled with it because I'm like, why would you choose that to be your first scene? What are they telling us? And what they're telling you is that, you know, in this, what looks like a beautiful landscape, uh, you know, idyllic, yada, yada, there are hard choices that have to be made, you know, that that it, it's not all, you know, riding off into the sunset, that it is uh, it is brutal. Right. Um, I, I really am enjoying the show. You know, like you said, you know, it's about, uh, you know, a, a, a ranching dynasty in Montana. And it is really very good. You know, and Though I struggled I, with it for, you know, I, we watched, we got like four episodes in and I'm like, I'm struggling with wanting to continue because no one, like, it's just bad people doing bad things. And then around mid-season, it may be, you know, it, it, just like every show, it takes a little bit to get its footing. Around mm-hmm. mid-season, they, they started injecting a little bit more humor, a little bit right. more like warmth between the characters and connection. I'm like, okay. Now, yeah. now we're rolling along. Now I care yeah. a little bit more. Everything well, I, you've said about the show up to this point makes me think that it's just a not for me show. No, I, I actively didn't watch Breaking Bad, and I stopped watching Game of Thrones like after first season. I, Yellowstone's a really strongly written show, and it's well directed. Um, I agree that it becomes the the characters become more relatable. Uh, a little bit deeper into the show because, mm-hmm. you know, I was really having a hard time with the daughter, you know, Beth. Yeah. Um, 
until you start understanding why she is the way she is. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the whole shtick of the show is, you know, why are these people so terrible? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how did they get here? And, uh, you know, Paul says everybody in the show is terrible. I don't, that's not true. One of the sons is, is fairly decent. He just kills people all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, but bad people, right people who deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there is a comment made uh, to him by one of the uh, uh, Native Americans in the show, and he's like, well, you've kind of become the Lone Ranger around here. All you need now is a Tonto. <laughs> you know, I was just like, yikes. Yeah. It's a good show. It it's is. a good it show. Is, it is, is, is season two out yet already? Yeah. Yeah. Season two is out. Season three um, was already in the can before they, uh, they shut down, um, and it's been renewed for season four. So yeah, it's right. um, season two. I, I purchased it. I have not seen it. Uh, yeah. Season three airs this summer, and it sounds like you're on the last episode of season one. Or did you finish season one? I have not finished season one yet. Okay. You can definitely. But... T- I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but you can definitely tell. It's not like a cliffhanger, but you can definitely tell like they knew the story was going to continue because yeah. it really doesn't resolve anything at a stopping point. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 digging it. I'm digging it, and uh, you know. I don't want to get one of them brands, Paul. <laughs> or do you? That means you're in the family. <laughs> you know, I was like, yee, yee. <laughs> that whole brand in, your, brand in yourself. Ooh, yee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. But maybe we should do that here on Funny Books, you know? Just a big F. <laughs> yeah, just, just you know, big F on your chest and, uh, you know, you can never leave. You're in for life. <laughs> yeah. Well, um... So that was our, our streaming service update. What we've been wanting, it, it, you know, it wasn't even the on the outline, but we just started talking that because yeah. you know that's what we do. Um, you know, this week there there is some news to talk about um, as it relates to to comics. Uh, you know, not much has really been announced, but there were a couple of things that came out. Um, Disney, you know, as we knew, Disney was doing furloughs. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit trying to stop the bleeding, uh, including furloughing Marvel Comics staff. Which I or Marvel Entertainment, I guess, because it, it's now inclusive of the comics and the movies. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because Kevin Feige well. took. Yeah, because oh. Kevin Feige took it all over um, uh, a little while back, and so you know, I don't know if it laid, if they furloughed the entire Marvel staff or just you know a big chunk of them. Um, no, they had a bunch of editors okay. this time, which I find interesting. I find that an interesting choice, right? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, and I don't want to be too repetitious, but. It seems interesting that they would furlough the staff so close to the end of April with the other piece of news, which is that Diamond Distribution may, you know, tentatively be kicking back off in May. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's enough product in the can that they they don't feel like they need to get ahead of things um, because it seems like they should be back at work soon, you know, if, if they're actually going to start distributing comics again. Yeah. Well, you'd think the tentative dates are the end of May, and those are only tentative. So that's yeah. an entire month worth of it. And well, and they do have the a lot that... of stuff queued up. There's a yeah. lot of stuff in the can ready yeah. to go out. True. Yeah. And when uh, Disney's doing their furloughs, they still, the people that are furloughed, they're not a full layoff. They still are an employee. They still get access to a lot of the employee resources. They still get to keep their insurance with Disney paying for their medical insurance during that time. It is cutting the cost in that they're not paying the salaries, but they are still paying the people. 
you know, and paying for the people, put it that way. Yeah. Which I mean, is really interesting, the everything they've, they've done. You know, it's the best option that they could really do, right? Because it's not like they can pay them right now. There's, you know, there's nothing, there's no work for them to do, but at least they can get a salary. Um, you know, they can get unemployment and benefits, which, so, I mean, I guess, not that, so that means that you're good, getting, but uh, so Paul, I just want to clarify you're you're getting your unemployment check and sex. Is that what that is? Yes. You're, <laughs> the unemployment <laughs> <with> benefits. <laughs> That's not a bad deal. I like that Disney is uh, coordinating that. Yeah, hey, yeah. You know. I might need some of that myself. I, I don't know. It's the house of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so I, I actually, before we recorded this morning, speaking of the distribution stuff, um, you know, DC, uh, you know, has started distributing the comics as of this week. Um, from um, D- DCBS and uh, well, Midtown Comics, right? Uh, using them as distributors, and people are getting their their packages, their you know their products starting this week. Uh, you know, a couple of posts, a uh, couple of pictures already out there on social media. That um, you know, given that these are comic shops who are familiar with the importance of the quality of a comic, you know the uh, you know the like the the mint condition, near mint condition, yeah. um, they are. The pictures I've seen and the comments I've seen are, damn, like they use really, you know, they bubble wrapped everything. It came in great condition. Like people are happy with the, you know, the the way it's being distributed, at least those who are participating in the program. And just to be clear, you know, DCBS and Midtown uh, Comics have a direct relationship with customers. But in this circumstance, they're shipping directly to the retailer so the retailer can then fulfill, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, One of them created it was a i think midtown is the one that created a new basically sub company that is their publisher or not their publisher their distributor they both did because dcbs uh, also did a lunar distribution is the okay i i thought one of them already had one and the other created it so they both created it Mm -hmm. so you know not that anything that was that's coming out this week is particularly of interest i think a lot of it um a lot of the comics that were coming out this week are one comics that are not in Diamond's Warehouse already, and two comics that were pub, you know, that were um, printed before the printing houses temporarily shut down. Um, so you know, there's some Batman reprints. Um, there's uh, you know a new issue of Daphne Byrne, you know, the Joe Hill comic. Um, so the, as far as new comics that are in print, nothing that's going to like blow the world away. Uh, but I will say one thing that DC did very interesting this week um, was they announced these DC Digital Firsts. Now, uh, what this is, at least currently, uh, is they are doing um, a daily comic. Uh, so I think Monday is Superman, Tuesday's Batman, Wednesday's Wonder Woman, Thursday's Aquaman, Friday is, I think, kid, kid Fl- books. It's Flash Friday. Oh, Flash Friday. Saturday's yeah. the kid books. And then yeah. there's a supernatural book every Sunday. This, you know, today, uh, as of the time of this recording, it was Swamp Thing, um, and they're going to release these every day, uh, you know, at, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, and, and now, a lot of this material was already printed in those Walmart giant books, but they're kind of like separating them for these, um, you know, for this digital first publishing. It's got very distinct trade dress to distinguish it from the print books, and um, the best part about it is the price point. 99 cents a piece. Yeah, for 22-page yeah. comic. Yeah. Yeah, I was amazed by the price point. That is an incredible idea. And 
the previous line of the Walmart ones they did, those were big storylines where it was a entire arc in the stories. Yeah, the Batman these universe seem to be, and the Superman one. Yeah, these seem to be standalone issues. Mm-hmm. They might build on themselves, but every one of these that I read this week could be a standalone issue, and every one of them seemed to be designed to be new, you know, new reader friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, so the Superman one, um, and, and so I looked up, because you can look, you can pre-order the books already for this coming week, um, just to see uh, which ones would have the same creative teams. So I think the Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Flash books will all have the same creative teams, um, at least for the second issue. Uh, the Batman book, definitely, you can tell this first issue was uh, two different short stories, but I I think that the creative team may kick in next, this coming issue. Um, so, you know, uh, Wayne and I read, so I read six of them. I think Wayne, you said you read six of them as well. The only ones I th- just putting out there, the only one we didn't read was the, the kid one, the DC superhero girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would have to say though, you know, they started off with the right book, uh, Superman, man of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a good book. Yeah. From Robert Venditti and, uh, Paul Pelletier. First of all, I, the art was gorgeous in this book. I yeah. love Paul Pelletier. Yeah, it's a gorgeous book. The colors, inks, pencils, the whole schmear. Uh, it's a great looking book. Yeah, out of all of the books I read this week for this, this was the best art and the second best story for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I genuinely enjoyed this book. And it's, you know, we've talked a little bit in the past, way past, about trying to, you know, new reader friendly books, you know, done in one stories. And, and you know, that's not really much of a thing nowadays. Um, and this is a prime example of doing it right. Uh, I think this is a great, you know, this is the type of story that I read as a kid. You know, you, 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 you can pick up any comic and it's just, as long as you know who Superman is, you get the gist, right? Right. Um, so I yeah. thought this was great. There's a little bit of extra dialogue here or there that is a little, uh, I don't want to use the word ham fisted, but it's the kind of thing you don't see in the regular books that it gives you more explanation about the characters and things that week to week readers wouldn't need, but it's not bad. It's not, that's why I don't want to use the word ham fisted because that has the connotation that it's a bad thing. It's more of a, every book is somebody's new, you know, first issue. So you add a little bit of exposition that you don't actually need for long time readers. And I thought it was well done in this book. I, I like the story. I think Parasite is a good villain to have in the first story because he's one that is recognizable, but it's not just the same. Let's make Lex the big bad guy. You know, Lex is a big part of the story, but you know, it's everyone knows Lex. Parasite is a little—he's a well-known, but not as as well-known as Lex. Well, and if this is if this is your first Superman comic, it's a nice contrast to Superman, right? You know, mm-hmm. you got yeah. you got Superman who has super strong powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and then you've got Parasite who can eat those powers. Uh, and who is you know, you've got the, you know, very handsome uh, you know, character of Superman versus the monstrous character of Parasite. Yeah. I think it's a really nice sort of dichotomy for uh, a new reader to come into. And what what I love is some of the best Superman stories for me, the ones I really enjoy is when he outsmarts the villain. Right. When he doesn't win by punching the villain. 
And this was one of those. He appeals to the humanity inside of him and comes up with a way to get through to him. Yeah. It's a good book. I, I, I really, really well appreciate done. that because that's Superman. And I always enjoy it when Superman goes up to the moon to fight somebody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, which, which, you know, would have been nice had uh, Zack Snyder Superman done that instead of, you know, fighting uh, Zod there in Metropolis yeah. and killing, you know, four million people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely got the core concept of Superman right, for sure. Yeah. Um, strong first so, issue. So second book I read was the Batman one. Yeah, same here. And I did not care for it. Nor did I, you know, so here's the thing I appreciate. So the first story is there's two stories in this one. One is Medal of Honor, um, which is in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum opening down there in uh, Texas. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be I'm, it's going to be right here in my hometown, yeah. uh, Arlington, Texas. It's going to be on the grounds of uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys sort of uh, uh God, the footprint that Jerry Jones has here yeah. for the Cowboys. It's a whole entertainment district. Uh, I've driven past the the building that I believe it is. They haven't formally announced it yet, uh, but I've seen the building. The architecture is awfully if, – if it's the, the building, I think it is. It's The, the architecture is really nice. So uh, it'll be an interesting place to visit here in town. It's, it's an interesting book, this Batman first issue, because – both stories are very military centric. Um, the first one is an adaptation of a speech, um, you know, that that occurred regarding this uh, Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, however, it's it, you know it was adapted by Brad Meltzer, or I should say applied. You know, the speech is the same, but it's applied to a Batman story. Um, you know, it's I, I get I, I I get what they were going for. I didn't quite connect with you know taking that story you know taking that yeah that well inspirational story and applying it to Batman. it, it seems like an exercise, here's my big problem right? with it yeah it it's, did it seemed like a very special issue of kind of thing but what i didn't like about it it wasn't a bad story with batman and gordon but you take this real world person this real hero you take the speech that was given about him and what he did and then you put your character in doing similar i know it was meant to be respectful but i took it as kind of a huge disrespect and stealing the uh the valor of what the real person did i i didn't i didn't get that at all um you know like i said i i felt like an exercise i felt like hey can we can we take a true life story and take the hero of that story mm -hmm. and make his heroics, the heroics of a, a, one of our DC comic book characters, and then demonstrate that this is true heroism. What you thought was just fantastical that only a Batman could do a human being in a, in the real world did this. I understood, I understood what they were doing here. I get I, like the two of y'all. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I didn't object to it. Yeah. But I didn't think that it was that it was a particularly compelling Batman story. And I'll tell you why. And it's the same problem I always have with Jim Lee. I don't think he's an effective visual storyteller. I think he's got a great uh, artistic style. His anatomy is uh, terrific. But I don't think when you look at his panels, he directs your action nearly as well as many other artists in the field that are less uh, uh, less renowned. Um, yeah. I, 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 I really hated some of the visual storytelling here, and they were having to push you with narrative 
to explain what was going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like uh, a, a stronger artist would have been able to do that absent those words. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed the second story a lot more. It's, you know, and uh, so real quick on the Jim Lee thing, I think one of my issues with Jim Lee, and I, I am a Jim Lee fan. One of my issues with Jim Lee is that his style, his, his, his he hasn't really improved in the last 25 years. You know, the Jim Lee, if you open up a book from 1995, it is the same Jim Lee art style and yeah, I would agree. that you that yeah. you get now. Um you know, there and maybe I get that there are people who are looking for that, um, but he's kind of turning into the John Romita Jr. of, you know, like you know what well, you're going to go in, you know what you're going to get going in. I w- I will say that he doesn't shorthand right. Where no. I think what John Romita Jr. has done is he he found a style many many years ago, and then that's all he is now. Kind of like Frank Miller, he's just style, right? He's not technique. He's not. Uh, uh, he's just distilled into a shorthand, if you will. I don't think Jim Lee has done that, but I also think Jim Lee hasn't really grown as an artist. And let me say, I like Jim Lee as a person. Uh, he he seems a very genuine, honest, kind sort of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I, I've never met him personally, but in his media, he seems like that guy. Really, you know, kind, genuine guy. I just cannot abide his his visual storytelling. Now his pinups are great. Draw that's what I was about. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. I think he's an incredible artist that does amazing art. I agree with you on the storytelling part of it, though. So for covers, for pinups, for just getting a piece of art, I would love some of his art. He yeah. draws a really good Batman and a great Superman, and you know, I absolutely love just the visual look of it. But I agree, he can't tell a story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Wayne, you mentioned the second story, you know, and it's funny because I got about a page into the second story and I'm like, this feels like it was written by Larry Hama, Um, (laughs) you know, because I'm like they're they're using, you know, military slogans and abbreviations and acronyms. I'm like, God, this feels like a Larry Hama book, like, you know, old school G.I. Joe. And then I got to the last page and it said Larry Hama writer. I'm like, "Ah, yeah, 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 I see it. Um, it was okay, the second story. You know, like I said, this was an odd um, first issue. I think, uh, you know, they, they th- these are stories maybe that um, just came out in that big uh, unknown soldier giant size book that, that's pretty popular at Walmart. So maybe they just had them handy. Um, you know, o- odd choices to put out there as your Batman issue compared to the Superman. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it was a buck. Yeah. So I don't really have it's... much complaints. It's not a Batwoman story I would have wanted to have read, but I it gave me a little bit of her character. I haven't read nearly the Batwoman you guys have. No. I've seen her in Detective Some, so I don't have a lot of that background other than from the TV show. So it told me something about her character, which I don't have a lot of context for her character. So I think that's why I liked it more than the first story. I liked this book. I, I liked the second story much more than I did the first story. And I got to tell you, the uh, Mirko Kolak artwork is gorgeous. Uh, I really enjoyed the the artwork uh, in the second story. It was definitely I, appropriate for the story, right? Yeah. You know, unlike we said, unlike the art in the first, which is odd to say, like, hey, this person I've never heard of, 
I, their artistic style worked better for their story than Jim Lee, <laughs> but yeah. it really did. You know, as a military story, I, I feel like this guy, you know, had a, a nice grounded, realistic, gritty uh, art interpretation, and I thought it was well done for the book. Yeah, and I don't know who this uh, Mirko Kolak person is, but uh, I will certainly uh, be checking checking. Uh, I don't even know if Mirko is a guy or, or a girl. So this person's artwork uh, out when when I see it available elsewhere because I, I I truly enjoyed the visual narrative here. Yeah. Yeah. So the third book that I picked that I read, uh, I don't know if Aquaman or Wonder Woman came out third, but I read. read I it was Wonder it Woman was, third. It was Wonder Woman for Wonder Woman Wednesday. Yep. Ah. Wonder Woman, Agent of Peace. So yeah, yeah I, I do want to make sure that you know that the, <laughs> they 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 gave specific titles to these books because it's Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Batman, Gotham Knights, Wonder Woman, Agent of Peace, Aquaman, Deep Dives, Flash, Fastest Man Alive, um, Swamp Thing, New Roots. So they're they're like distinctive titles to differentiate them from the other, you know normal right. superman action comics detective comics type things yeah I and like one this book a great deal wow this was my favorite of the week by really? far I, oh yeah I, I i gotta tell you i was so pissed off um like i, I you know i got this art and you know this book and i'm like jimmy palmiati amanda connor i'm like huh, miranda and hi-fi those must be inkers and, and colorists and then i turned the page i'm like god damn it Amanda Connor did not do the art in this book. She just did the cover. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was right there with you, Paul. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about with the, um, you know, our March Madness thing. If you're not a Harley Quinn fan, this is definitely more of a Harley Quinn-esque story yeah. than a Wonder Woman-esque story. Yeah, it was the two of them playing off each other is why I loved it so much. I mean, there's some really great Wonder Woman lines in this that, you know, I just thought were, you know, incredible. I loved how everyone was questioning, are you really Wonder Woman or are you just a cosplayer? And uh, how every time they tried to dismiss her, she would end up basically beating someone up. I loved how the, you know, she's trying to do the peaceful route in a book that, uh, you know, with the title of this. I thought the art was really good on it. I loved uh, her appearance and just really her and Harley playing off of each other was you know a highlight for me none of the other books were even close to how much i enjoyed this book it was by far my favorite of all of them i can see that this is a wayne book um, <laughs> and not, i don't mean that derogatory i can just see you know what i mean by that is this definitely has a sensibility that i find wayne looks for in 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 certain comics like it it is fun comic book humorous um, storytelling, and I've noticed that you've gra that you grasp onto that type of storytelling. Um, and you know, for me, I thought it was you know it was cute. It was I, I'll pick up issue two. Like I thought it was cute. It, I mean, what else am I going to do? Um, with my, <laughs> but uh, you know, I thought it was cute. Like I, you know, it, it didn't knock my socks off. I didn't hate it. I, I didn't find it disparaging. But um, you know, it sounds like Aaron, you 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 had a distaste for it. Well, I I don't like Harley Quinn. I, that that's my big problem here. I thought the writing was uh, was was strong. I like Wayne. I enjoyed the uh, the team up of these two very different sorts of characters, and so it's it's sort of a buddy comedy sort of thing. Uh, but I I this is one of the the things that I struggle with with Wonder Woman books 
is she, she doesn't have a, in my opinion, a very strong rogues gallery. Um, you know, when her number one uh, villain is Cheetah, I think that that sort of you know demonstrates my point. And so you've got the the billionaire uh, you know real estate investor who is the villain here, who's blowing up properties. There wasn't enough enough on the villain side of things in terms of the antagonist uh, to really make this book interesting. And yeah. and as it went, I was just like, you know, this is just another lame-o guy villain. Uh, I, I, it really bugged me. I, yeah. I, I didn't find that there was a strong enough conflict. The conflict was all between Wonder Woman and Harley. Uh, and yep. if they had had a more, uh, a more compelling villain, I think I would have enjoyed this book better. You know, and I agree with you about it. The conflict was between her and Harley, and that's where the fun came in for me. The villains they fought were four lame villains. Yes. And then one rich guy that's just the a rich boss guy. villain who is just no, pretty lame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. None of these were any they would have never been a threat to Warner Woman. And the fact that they were going after Harley instead was what I enjoyed about it. You know, she's protecting Harley from the lame villains. If this would have just been Wonder Woman versus those four villains, it wouldn't have been any good at all. Because I said, then none of them were... If it would have focused on the fight with the villains, it wouldn't have been good. The well, fact that I, it did focus more on their interaction was what I enjoyed about it. And I, I was very amused how the villains immediately gave up the information. Yeah. You know, that, and and when, that was amusing. When they see Wonder Woman, they're like, we weren't paid to fight Wonder Woman. Yeah. But I, I again, I was just so... I felt like I was wasting my time uh, because the the ultimate villain just wasn't worth anything. I'm not saying that it needed to be dark side. I'm just saying a a more interesting villain. And this the villain just was you know just rich guy blowing shit up. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. I don't. I think that there's one of the thing highlights for me was Harley. It was their interactions was what made this a fun book for me. I'm a big Harley fan, but I don't read Harley's books because it's too much Harley. What I need is Harley as a supporting character playing off of a more serious character and the serious character getting annoyed. The mm -hmm. best Harley stories I've you know, experienced are either when someone from the Bat family has to team up with her and they're frustrated or stories like this where Wonder Woman has to work with her and she gets frustrated, tries to bribe her to shut up with ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I um. You know, and, and the next book is Aquaman Deep Dives, which for me, as much as I enjoyed the Superman, I actually have to say I think Aquaman was my favorite of the uh, six books that I read. Oh, was I, it because I, was it because of the cover where Black Manta is forcing oral sex on uh, Aquaman? No, no, that's not it. <laughs> um, I, I, I really, you know, first of all, I will say I haven't. I was. I'm not a fan of DC. Momoa-ing Aquaman. Um, you know, I, I, I like my classic Aquaman look, you know, the, the clean-cut hair, the, the clean-shaven face. But at least in this book, he, you know, he's wearing his, his normal costume. You know, he just has longer hair and a beard. Uh, so, he you know, he still looked good to me. I, I, and the art in the book, I thought, was really strong. I, I enjoyed the shit out of this book. I thought um, it was a good story. I really enjoyed the first page. I loved seeing Mira up there doing the political thing, seeing Arthur real, you know, basically commenting that 
he knows that that's what she's good at and he's really bad at that at doing the political talking thing but, but other than that it just it didn't hit for me i didn't care for the fight with black man and uh i didn't care for the whole uh was it Merzo- amazon Mer- the blending of mermaids and amazon yeah <laughs> I, I didn't care for that and it just this one was a bit was a miss for me although the art i thought was really good and i said that first page i i love the first page i wanted to see more of that more <laughs> and you know it's funny because we're, we're definitely getting different impressions on these books because that first page yeah. is like oh i don't want yeah i wanted i don't, I don't want politics <laughs> well and that's the thing I find I really enjoyed with the Aquaman books that I've read in the past. So I like the Aquaman dealing with the real world, dealing with people's impressions of him. I've never really gotten into Aquaman as a a superhero fighting. I like the other aspects of the character. You know, I think some of the uh, the New Fifty Two Aquaman was actually really good run, and it was a lot of him dealing with the people on the surface world and dealing with their thoughts of him. So I, I was hoping from the first page I was going to get more of that. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I uh, I always enjoy – I usually enjoy Black Manta. I don't want to say always enjoy because that's not true. But I usually enjoy Black Manta. Uh, I, I like seeing Black Manta working against Aquaman. Uh, and, I, and I thought you know, kind of like the Superman book, it was a – it was a – you know in terms of a one-off – it really kind of demonstrates who the character is without bogging you down into a lot of continuity. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the, the two of those are sort of classic, uh, classically opposed characters. Um, it gave you enough of the, uh, the sense and feeling of the Aquaman backstory without bogging the story down in it. Uh, I, I think that this would be a good first issue for someone who is looking, you know, was curious about Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman is not my guy. Uh, I am. I. I have given up my uh, regular Aquaman reading so, some time ago. Uh, I just have realized that he is just not my guy. I like him in other books like Justice League or team ups like Brave and the Bold, but he's just uh, an ongoing Aquaman title is never going to be my thing anymore. Peter David's Aquaman run was, was my jam. And, uh, I just haven't enjoyed him nearly as much since then. So I saved something. We were talking about what we watched streaming this week. So if you remember CW, when they were doing Smallville, we're going to do a Aquaman spinoff. DC universe has the pilot for that. Aquaman yeah, TV I watched show. it. I watched it. I, I'm i not going to say it was good. I know why they didn't pick it up, but I enjoyed that way more than I thought I was going to. I thought I thought it was actually really well done for a pilot. Uh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that a great deal. I was <laughs> the, uh, the guy who plays Aquaman is the guy who plays Kevin in This Is Us. And so it was jarring to see him uh, you know, playing that role. But uh, well, he's also the guy that played Green Arrow in Smallville. They oh, had an Aquaman, but they didn't cast that Aquaman. Uh-huh. They cast Green Arrow instead. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I mean, it was good for what it was, right? Right. It was good for a CW uh, superhero show. Uh, I, I was surprised at, see at how well done the pilot it up, was. But, yeah, I can see why they didn't pick it up, but I would have watched it. I saw. I watched the pilot, and I wanted to see the next episode. Yeah. 
I, I I saw it a while back. I mean, I thought it was, it, it, to your point, I would have watched it, but I, I don't know. I'm sure maybe it was a financial reason or whatever. Well, clearly it was going to be show. expensive to shoot. I mean, because yeah. you're going to have to do a lot of, if you were going to have it be satisfactory, meaning a lot of, you know, uh, Arthur underwater, um, that's going to be expensive, either CG or actual underwater stuff. I was amused that uh, they're still, they were still using the man from Atlanta swimming technique. You know, uh, I don't know if you if you ever saw Man from Atlantis with Patrick Duffy back in the day, but, you know, he had that whole, you know, squiggly uh, sort of sort of uh, swimming and they were doing a lot of that in uh, in the Aquaman pilot. But I got a kick out of it. It was fun. Well, you know, sticking with the uh, the high seas adventure, uh, The Flash, Fastest Man Alive, uh, written by Gail Simone, art by Clayton Henry, uh, you know, has The Flash on a cruise ship, uh, you know, The Flash versus King Shark. On a cruise ship. Um, and, you know, th- this kind of, you know, talking about Jason making Aquaman look like Jason Momoa. Uh, this is the first time, and I haven't been reading The Flash regularly, uh, like the normal incontinuity Flash book. This is the first time I've seen Iris, Iris West portrayed as an African American in the comics. Same same here. Mm-hmm. And I read the regular Flash book for a while, and she's not in the regular Flash book. They definitely took a. Call from uh, the CW Flash to for her appearance. Now I will say the artist clearly um, has an affinity for her because he draws her beautifully. Uh, I, I I I thought the pages with Iris on them uh, were just really really. I mean she is just really well drawn. Uh, the human characters, uh, you know, all of the human characters. Honestly, you know, even you know Barry Allen out of costume. Uh, you know, I thought were were really well done. The the actual flash pages, actually, I, I would say I felt I was less impressed with. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And uh, we talked about being a whether these are good first issues for people. I don't think if I were going to introduce somebody to a flash story, I don't think I would put the first story being on a boat in water. Yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, he can't re- really show off who and what the Flash is. They they did their best to try to do that with the story, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot more effective if he's on ground where he can run. Right. Yeah. You know, I will say about all these first issues, um, you know, this one especially is I I did enjoy pretty much everything. You know, I had some sense of enjoyment, and for ninety nine cents, I will likely pick up second issues of all of these before I make a judgment call on which ones I won't get. Um, because I enjoyed them all enough. I mean, for 99 cents, I enjoyed them all 99 cents worth. Right. Uh, so, and this is very much like that. Um, it's, it, it, it's new reader friendly. As long as you know, the flash, as long as you, maybe you've seen an episode or two of the TV show. Um, it's not a great story. It's just kind of, a. but it, what I, you know, again, it wasn't meant to be, it was just meant to be part of a Walmart book. Yeah. So did you finish read Swamp Thing? I did. I did finish reading Swamp Thing this morning. I haven't finished it. I'm par- I started it this morning right before we were recording, since it came out today. And I saw something in there I've never seen in a Swamp Thing and that I enjoyed. You, you see Swamp Thing as big and powerful and tough that we've always seen. But you also see Swamp Thing growing like swings for kids out of his arms. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that softer side of Swamp Thing before. I haven't read nearly as much as you have, so maybe this is part of the character normally, but I really enjoyed seeing something different from Swamp Thing. 
Well, what I think, you know, it, Swamp Thing is a tough nut to crack. And I find well, that a lot Tell of, me about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that... No, I will say the TV show on DC Universe, um, really, really worth watching. A shame that it didn't continue uh, into another season. But I find that most writers tend to just stick with the depressing aspects of Swamp Thing. Like, woe is me, my life is horrible, everything's horrible, everything sucks, everything's dark, everything's supernatural and sad. Um, and in this book, there there is, you know, there's of course some of that, because that's some of that's part of his core character, but there is some, some lightness to it. And one of the interesting facts, and I don't want to get too much into it because Aaron hasn't read it yet, and I will say it's actually worth reading, um, is that Swamp Thing, he... All his anger, all his hate, what he does is he he grows it inside of him. Or he, like, he, you know, like they say, put your put your anger in a box and, you know, put that box on a shelf so, you know, you're not holding on to it. Um, he does that, but he does it literally. Like, he takes his anger and he manifests it in the form of a beat that look that basically, it looks like he's just taking his heart out and he you know, buries them or, or you know, when you say a beat, like a, like a vegetable, like a vegetable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed that near the beginning, at least where he, he recognizes that the anger is growing in him and he's trying his best to keep control and not just kill these people. I like that. We see both sides of Swamp Thing in this. We see the side that is gentle with the children and that cares about people in the green, but that you also see he's struggling because of everything that he's seeing and because of, you know, what he is struggling with his anger too. I, I haven't finished the book, but I have absolutely loved everything I've read in this book so far. It is a uh, really good Swamp Thing introduction that shows you all sides of the character. Yeah. How, and how powerful he is, how he's the internal struggle. It's not a, you know, like the Harley Wonder Woman book was just a pure fun book beginning to end. That's not this book. This is a deeper story than that, but it's also not so deep that it's, you know, impenetrable to someone new reading the character. Yeah. And I will say it has a hell of an ending. Um, so, you know, if you haven't picked it up, Aaron, or if you were on the fence about it, definitely pick it up. <clears throat> it's, 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 it's a good read. Oh, I've got it. I just haven't read it yet. I, I forgot all about Flash Friday and uh, you know Swamp Thing Saturday or Sunday, whatever the hell that is. Supernatural Sunday, and I think thank it's, you. Uh, I don't know what Saturday. It's Saturday is the all ages book. I don't know if they're yeah. always going to be superhero girls or what. Yeah. You know, um, and I will say uh, none of us picked up superhero girls because it's not for us. I love the property for what it is. I have a niece. My niece is really was got into superhero girls when she hit you know was through that age. And I love that there was a property there for her that she could she could get the toys of, she could get the costumes of, she could watch the show. I bought her superhero girl comic books so she could read them. And I think it is a wonderful property that is not at all for us, and I don't see any of us reading it. But I'm happy to see that it is one of the books they added to this just because of that. Because I do think very highly of it. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And hopeful, hopefully... Uh, you know, I, I read an article like, is this a sign of things to come for DC? You know, DC is the one company that's out there finding alternatives to, you know, it kind of taking Todd McFarlane's words to heart, right? Like addicts need, you know, the longer an addict goes without something, the more they realize they don't need it. DC is like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. You're going to get comics every day now. 
You know? That's right. And they're only going to pay a buck. Like, you can get yeah. an entire week's worth of comics for less than it'll cost to buy two normal comics. Yep. Um, and it's, I think it's it, clearly three people on this podcast bought six of the seven books. And the only one they did, you know, we didn't pick up again was the, you know, the, the one that's aimed at, you know, young, young children. Um, but, and I'm going to pick up another six next week. I think this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as the product getting out in stores, I don't have much of an opinion on it other than um, I think it, it will hopefully be good because more distribution chains could always, you know, it just seems like a good thing. But yep. as far as this digital first stuff, it, hopefully this is a sign that right now they're just, you know, they've got stuff in the catalog that they can, you know, get, pull from, you know, with strong creative teams from these Walmart books. But eventually, I'm sure what this will turn into is an alternative way of getting comics out there. Um, you know, a buck a day, I think, is is a great model. And if they can get original content out there with artists who aren't, you know, your top tier, they're not your Jim Lees, they're not your... Uh, you know, um, Gray Capullos, but they're good enough. Um, like your Paul Pelletiers, maybe some of these, you know, these these guys who were really popular in the 90s, because that's where Paul Pelletier kind of started. You know, you get a Tom Grummet on a book or, or some of those guys putting out regular content. I think it's a great model, and I hope they continue with it. I hope it's not just temporary, and they're just like, you know, let's let's get some stuff out there, and then when things calm back down, we'll, we can scrap the program. Hopefully it does well for them. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they have enough content to continue daily for the long term. Uh, in the short term, to get us through till more books are coming out, yes. But I have a feeling they'll cut back on the daily thing. If they find a way to get the content out there, new content, I mean, that would be incredible having a daily book released. You know, we won't end up in the long term picking up every one of them. But so far, I would... Just based on first issue, at least three of these, probably four, I would pick up regularly. I'm giving all of them a second issue, though. Yeah, same. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in for the same six I bought this weekend. Uh, I'm eager to uh, read them and talk about them next week. All right, guys. Well, if you pick the, these stories up or, you know, talk to us about what you watched, what you read this week, you can hit us up on our social media channels. We're IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And we, or you can give us a call on the IOM Geek hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. And Paul... You know, if our uh, if you're following our Instagram or Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. uh, you will find this week a new contest uh, given away uh, the uh, Sci-Fi Loot Farscape box. Ooh. So uh, I, I posted a preview picture uh, earlier in the week, uh, and you know, got a couple of comments on that. Um, looking forward to uh, being able to uh, gift that to a uh, loyal follower. Very exciting. All right, folks. Well, we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.